sisters and misters. Your witchy sister, Lubel, is here. I hope your season of spookiness, ghosts, goblins, and sugar skulls is a thrilling and chilling one. It's time for some Halloween and fall-themed bits and bites from Rolling for Recipes. So snuggle up with your familiar, put down your book of spells, and kick off your pointy shoes. Let's give Lubel celebrate Spooky Squash a listen. ha! <laughs> Have you ever wondered how it came to be that we all hack a myriad of faces into round orange squashes every All Hallows Eve? Well, you can thank good old Irish superstition mixed with some good old Catholic guilt for this delightful and luminous tradition. According to my sources, i.e. history.com, an old Irish legend about a guy named Stingy Jack who outsmarted the devil for a while, is the source of this delightful vegetable lantern that we make every year. The legend goes that Jack was a cheap old sinner and cheated the devil by tricking him while sharing a drink at the local pub. I guess in those days the devil hung out? Anyways, Stingy Jack had invited the devil for a drink, and then he was too cheap to pay and somehow convinced old Hornyhead to turn himself into a coin with which to pay for the drink. Well, Jack put the coin in his pocket next to a silver coin, which means the devil can't do what he wanted to do. And the devil was stuck in his pocket. Well, Jack outsmarted the devil a couple more times, making him climb up a tree and whatnot, carved another cross into the trunk of the tree. Eventually, he struck a bargain with the devil to never claim his soul. Well, upon Jack's death, Jack was denied entry into heaven. Because God was like, you're just an unsavory kind of guy. And the devil, being a more upstanding guy than Jack apparently was, kept his word and wouldn't take him to hell either. (laughs) So Jack's spirit was left with only a piece of burning coal to light his way as he wandered alone in darkness for eternity. Well, Jack put the burning coal into a carved out turnip. And the legend says he's still wandering around with it to this day. The Irish started calling the spirit Jack of the Lantern, and eventually it got shortened to Jack O'Lantern. Soon, folks in Ireland and Scotland started carving scary faces into turnips to keep Jack and other spirits away on All Hallows' Eve. So, when the Irish came to America, they brought this legend with them, along with so much other good stuff. And because pumpkins were so readily available in America, that's what they started to use instead of the turnips. And that is why we have the ginormous hobby on Halloween of carving squashes and sticking a candle in it. Of course, nowadays, we're not really trying to scare away anybody. It's more likely to lure little kids to our house so we can give them all kinds of sugary stuff to eat, right? It's the signal that means there's somebody home to give you some candy. So the next time you carve a pumpkin, think about how that all started. It's pretty interesting. I love learning things like this, and I hope you do too.
after I read about the jack-o'-lantern story, I got to wondering about pumpkins in general. You know, I really don't know that much about pumpkins. And back in the day when my children were small, I, of course, carved lots of jack-o'-lanterns. And I remember at one point we had a pumpkin carving party and we carved 26 of those pumpkins. Come to find out that pumpkin is actually a very highly nutrient-dense food. It's low in calories, unless you've made it into a pie, of course, and it's rich in vitamins and minerals. Even the leaves, seeds, and juice are nutritious. It's especially dense in beta-carotene, a red-orange pigment, and it converts to vitamin A in the body. Beta-carotene is also an antioxidant, which are sometimes called free radical scavengers. Wow, now that is a moniker that is appropriate for Halloween. Scavenger. Free radicals are unstable molecules the body produces as a reaction to environmental and other pressures. Free radicals can harm cells and body function, so foods rich in antioxidants may help reduce the risk of developing certain types of cancer, asthma, heart disease, and decrease the risk of age-related macular degeneration, i.e. your vision. While I was reading about pumpkins, I found there are lots of ways to incorporate more of this healthy squash into your diet. If you buy canned pumpkin, make sure the only ingredient is pumpkin. Canned pumpkin pie filling looks almost exactly the same, and it's loaded with sugars and syrups, so be careful if you're buying the canned stuff. Of course, you can make your own puree, but it is recommended for flavor that you use the sweet or pie pumpkin varieties. Those are those little smaller ones instead of the big ones primarily grown for carving and fall decoration. According to Medical News Today, they suggest using canned or pureed pumpkin in place of butter or oil in any baking recipe. Wow, I will be trying that. And I'm sorry I didn't do that before recording the podcast. They also say you can combine your pureed pumpkin with Greek yogurt, honey, cinnamon, and cocoa powder for a treat. Hmm, I think that's super interesting. Well, when it comes to producing pumpkins, what I found, courtesy of the U.S. Department of Agriculture, I found some pretty interesting little facts here I'm going to share with you. Pumpkins are a type of squash indigenous to North America and have been cultivated since at least 7500 BCE. They come in two types, decorative and pie. The most common decorative, the ones we most often carve, are the Howden variety, that's H-O-W-D-E-N. All states produce some pumpkins, but six states, California, Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, Texas, and Virginia produce the most. As of 2021, Illinois led the pack, harvesting more than twice as many pumpkin acres as any of the other top pumpkin producing states. A whopping 80% of pumpkin acres in Illinois are devoted to varieties destined for pie filling and other processing uses. On average, each American uses six and a half pounds of pumpkins each year. I'm guessing that most of those poundages are in the jack-o'-lanterns and then in consuming your uh, pre-made pumpkin pies and whatnot. this part of the episode, I want to highlight a cookbook. Believe it or not, I'm going to talk about a cookbook. It's the 1990 book called 
The Frugal Gourmet Cooks American by Jeff Smith. Now, I had that book back in my home library. It's actually one that we had given away and then I sourced another copy. It's actually a really cool book. So I found something that I want to share and I will share it on Instagram so that you can get a visual on it. There's a wonderful website called the Internet Archives. You can sign up for a free card, library card there, and borrow very interesting books like this 1990 book, The Frugal Gourmet Cooks American by Jeff Smith. This book is important to me because during that party that I mentioned earlier in the episode where my family and I had some friends over and we carved a ton of pumpkins, 26 pumpkins, I'll never forget that. Even back in those days, I have always wanted my children to understand that there might be some other uses for things and to understand the historical significance of some things. And so I had read about in this book, The Frugal Gourmet, Cooks American, about a pumpkin pie that was historical and was one that was made in the shell itself and very unlike the modern pumpkin pie. And so I had made it all those years ago. Oh my gosh, I I think it must have been 30 30 years ago that I had that party and made this pie. And so I want to read to you an excerpt from the book talking about pumpkin, and then I'm gonna talk more about that recipe. So here's the, the quote from the book going to read to you this little excerpt. Okay, here we go. Few of us can imagine the winter holidays without pumpkin pie. It has been this way with us Americans since the Pilgrims' second Thanksgiving in 1623. But the pie was very different from the one we know now. The pumpkin was cleaned as you would for a jack-o'-lantern and filled with milk, eggs, spices, and maple syrup. When it was baked, the filling turned to a wonderful custard. The very first American cookbook by Amelia Simmons gives two recipes for such pies, and we have evidence that the colonists also made pumpkin beer, pumpkin soup, and roasted pumpkin seeds for a snack. We have enjoyed the American squash in a fascinating variety of ways. We received the gift of the yellow gourd from the Indians, of course. When European explorers hit the New World, they found the Native Americans eating all kinds of squashes, but pumpkin was a favorite. The white men thought the pumpkin to be a form of giant melon. They were partly right, as the pumpkin belongs to the family Cucurbitaceae, which also includes cucumbers, gherkins, and melons. The wild ancestor of the great orange vegetable goes back to the Aztecs, Incas, and the Mayan peoples who enjoyed eating the rich seeds. The pumpkin spread north and was common by the time of European exploration, and the seekers of the New World took the squash back to Europe with them but it remains an American vegetable, absolutely American. The uses that we found for pumpkin in the old days were wonderfully varied and formed a basic part of our diet. The pumpkin was among the most common foods of the settlements, and an old verse proves their indispensability. For pottage and puddings and custards and pies, our pumpkins and parsnips are common supplies. We have pumpkins at morning and pumpkins at noon. If it were not for pumpkins, we should be undone. End quote. Making that old recipe, the custard inside the pumpkin shell, is a very distinct memory for me. I remember, of course, I was a busy young mom getting that party together for my kids and their friends and our friends. 
and deciding I wanted to make this historical recipe to try to teach the kids a little lesson at the same time. I remember very distinctly it taking longer than I expected to bake and how cool it looked having that whole pumpkin sitting in the oven with its little lid somewhat crooked off center there. And then you took it out of the oven and the way that you were supposed to serve it was to scoop some of the cooked pumpkin flesh along with the custard, put that in a bowl and maybe top it with some whipped cream. I remember it being very fun and interesting. However, I don't think that it was quite sweet enough for the modern palate. It wasn't quite sweet enough for the kids. You know, the modern palate is much sweeter than it was back in the uh, 1600s, 1700s. So I think that it probably would make it a little sweeter or put some sweetener into the whipped cream. But it looked really cool, guys. It looked really cool to see that custard sitting inside of that pumpkin shell. It was very interesting, and I, I love that memory very much. It's one of my favorite Halloween memories. So here's the recipe, guys. I'm going to read it to you straight from the book. It's called Baked Whole Pumpkin. Serves eight. This dish was a favorite of George Washington. While it was called a pie in the old days, it's certainly not what we call a pie now. Here the custard pie is found inside the pumpkin and the whole thing is to be served up with a bit of anticipation for a very different pumpkin dessert. One pumpkin, five to seven pounds, six whole eggs, two cups whipping cream, half a cup of brown sugar, one tablespoon molasses, half a teaspoon freshly grated nutmeg, one teaspoon of cinnamon, a quarter of a teaspoon of ginger, and two tablespoons of butter. Cut the lid off of the pumpkin, just as you would for a jack-o'-lantern. Remove the seeds and save for toasting later. Mix the remaining ingredients together, with the exception of the butter, and fill the pumpkin with this mixture and top with the butter. Cover with the pumpkin lid and place in a baking pan. Bake at 350 for one to one and a half hours or until the mixture has set like a custard. Serve from the pumpkin at your table, scraping some of the meat from the pumpkin with each serving. This is an interesting substitution for the usual pumpkin pie, end quote. So I would recommend if you do try this recipe to increase the sugar a little bit, and keep in mind that just like all recipes, your oven temperature is going to vary and you just have to keep checking it and see when it's actually finished. It really is a beautiful, fun centerpiece and maybe it would be a great thing to serve for Thanksgiving. I don't know. I'm definitely going to be trying it again. It's been 30 years or more since I made it and I'm excited to try it again. So in conclusion, I am going to look for ways to incorporate more pumpkin into my own cooking for one diet that I have going on. The first thing I'm going to do is I am going to try making a pumpkin smoothie. If it comes out good, I'll be sure to share the recipe with you on Instagram. And this concludes our special version of Rolling for Recipes, courtesy of your witch's sister, Lubel McDoobie. Now get out there and do some hocus pocus of your own and have a fabulous time, my pretties. <laughs>